Welcome to Igniting Your Faith. At Igniting Your Faith, we strive to motivate listeners toward a full life in Jesus Christ by sharing the love and life-changing force of God's Word. We encourage you to thoughtfully and prayerfully let God's love make an impact in your life. This morning, yeah, it's been a long time. It's been a long time since I've been up here, and uh, I'm excited, and it's good to be back with church family, so um, I'm just very thankful. So this morning, I wanted to talk to you. I thought the Lord was uh, impressing upon my heart because we're seeing so much going on in the world today, and there's just so much, for the Christian, there's so much... um, hostility towards us. We keep hearing more and more reports about persecution. We hear more and more reports about, you know, um, pushing against the Bible, becoming anti-God in this nation. But, you know, have hope. Because, with you know, with the Lord, we have the victory. He has the victory, right? So we don't have to sweat that. If we stay where He wants us to be, then we will see the victory. The problem is, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure being a Christian. It's not an easy walk. You know, Jesus never said, hey, when you follow me, everything's going to be great. And everything's going to be wonderful. And you're not going to have any problems. But we do. So I want to take and, and, and just first bring out the, the text this morning that I'll be preaching out, out of. And I want you to know that Paul is writing this letter. He wrote it to the Roman church. And as all the Scripture, it is very relevant to us to the day. So, if you would turn your Bibles with me, I will be reading out of the ESV. It's just one that I have kind of grabbed onto in the the past here, and I have a lot of notes and stuff. So, uh, But I wanted to share this with you. So let's look at Romans 2. 12-2, excuse me, 12-2. This is what he writes. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now take notice in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In this morning's text, Apostle Paul commands Christians to not be conformed to the world. To be like the world is in direct opposition to Christian living. We have to make a decision where we place our allegiance. And I encourage all Christians to live for Jesus Christ. Take a stand for Christ with no apologies and no excuses. Do not conform to the world. It will diminish your faith and it will strip you of your assurance. I don't have to tell you that we live in a hostile and dangerous world. It is certainly a frightening world to live in. And it's a frightening world to actually raise a family in. Our children are growing up 
with many horrifying threats on, on the horizon. Nuclear war, civil unrest, rising crime rates, uncertain financial future, and the list go on. It is indeed a hostile world, especially if you're a Christian. For the world cannot tolerate the holiness expressed in the lives of born-again believers. We are not the first generation of Christians to face hostility and hatred. Believers have never been welcomed in the world system. But as Christians, we have always been victorious overcomers because we know how all this in God wins. Amen? You know, I had somebody ask me one time, why do you like to say amen? I said, well, it's either to keep people awake or see if they're following what I'm saying. I think it would be safe to say that many churches and Christians have found it hard not to be drawn in by the ways of the world. See, the world is seductive. And it tries to draw us into the, the secular worldview. Now, when I speak of secular, I'm talking about the unbelievers who base their belief system on the gods of this world. They worship and live for what is appealing regardless of the consequences. We see it. It's the entertainment industry, the media, TV, music, movies, social media, for the most part, comes from a secular narrative driven by a very lost culture. We can try to shelter our children and our families, but the fact remains, the pressures and enticements are there, beckoning like the serpent in the garden. The same temptation. But you have to understand, unbelievers are seeking identity, which means they are missing something so they seek to find meaning in their lives. They have nothing. They don't understand what to put their faith in. They don't understand how to live. They're just looking for meaning in their lives. And they find comfort and conformity to the world's systems. It's all they know. At least for a short time. And then they'll move on to the next big thing. Whatever's going, whatever's current in the world systems, they latch on to. They need meaning. They want to feel like they belong to something bigger than themselves. And sometimes they may put all of it into themselves. And really, this is nothing new. We have been watching this unfold for years and years now we've seen it. The unbelievers acceptable whatever ideology is in front of them, regardless of the morals, because they believe that they can create their own sense of morality and well-being. They hate Christians. The mere name of Jesus Christ brings their face to a snarl in their clenched fists and shouts of profanity. They mock Christians and everything that is good and biblically moral. They challenge us for our belief because they can't leave us to have faith in an almighty and holy God. So they attack us to wear us down. And this is important to note. Important to note. They want us to back down and keep quiet so they can just infiltrate every aspect of Christianity. They can try to disprove every part of the Bible every and just create their own morals. But that is not going to happen 
For Jesus said, Matthew 16, 18, the gates of hell should not prevail against it. Talking about his church. Amen? Right, let's do a little more. Amen? That's right. That's what I'm talking about. Sometimes a uh, little bit of Methacostal comes out of me. I'm not a hundred I'm not a hundred percent today, but I you know, I feel God is here. You know. So it is all about spiritual warfare. That's what this is all about. The devil is at war with us, and if he can reach us and conform us to be more like the world, then he is happy. But if we take a stand against him, he uses the lost people to rally against Christians in the church. So I want to stop for a moment and say this. You not may not be a Christian and consider yourself a good person. And other people might agree, you know what? You really are a good person. You may be kind and loving and will help anyone. And that's great. But living that way without Christ is meaningless. And you won't work your way to the eternal rewards that this world cannot offer, and that's heaven. We have to understand something about these lost souls. So I point you to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. How many of you have Bibles this morning? Do you have your Bible with you? Yeah. Bible-believing church must have Bibles. Right? Christians need this. The second Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 4. And this is in regards to these lost souls, to the secular crowd today. It says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. See, they're blinded. They're blinded. They don't understand. They can't see. That's what the devil does. That's what our enemy does. He blinds us. He keeps us so that we can't see. He tries to, to, to make sure, put the blindfold on, and, oh, just live for, for the world. Live for your own lusts and your passions. And if we look really close, we, we may see glimpses of times in our own lives past and current where we too have fallen into the ruler of this world's traps. The devil is a liar. You need to know that. And he knows, thank you, amen. <laughs> and he knows he is a defeated foe, Amen. And his time is short. Amen. There we go. Which is why we see evil becoming more rampant as we are living in the last days. Many in our culture, including our young people, just want to find meaning. They want to belong. And they don't know. They have no idea what to belong to. We see suicide rates are up, drug addiction, alcoholism, and so many people are just looking to numb themselves from the reality of having no identity. They are blind because much of what we are seeing is of the spirit of Antichrist that continues to lure 
are young people and all people tries to young all people away from God. Now, if you turn to me with me, John chapter 3, 16 through 21. You're saying, man, got to go back and forth through the book. See, I just put mine right in here because the Bible's right here. It takes so long to get back and forth right now for me. So let's look at uh, verses 16 through 21 in John 3, chapter 3. I'll give you a second to get there. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have... What? Amen. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in Him is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Amen? And this is the judgment. The light is coming to the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone does wicked things, hates the light, and does not come into the light, lest his works would, should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, and so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Now, I bring that up, and I, re- I wanted this passage in my sermon was because I felt like we can look back and see that John is writing about this, why people don't accept Christ. Because they're happy in their way of darkness. See, they're not accountable to anybody. They don't have to be accountable. They feel like, I can just live my life for who I am. I can do what I want to do. I don't have to. I like the darkness. I don't want people to know what I do when I go home. I don't want people to know that I live in sin. I just want to live apart. So I don't have to be accountable. But God has worked out a plan for all people. But some just can't accept it and they won't. They love the darkness. And make no mistake, they will go to hell. Now, hell is not a popular, um, it, by any means, word to use in the pulpit. People get very uneasy. I heard Vody Bachman, who's an apologist and a pastor, say one time, you're either going to say, ouch, or amen. Okay? Because that's the way it is with people. They, they, when it convicts you, you get the ouch. But if you know you're, you're on the right track, you can say amen. See, there's no easy way to say it. They will perish. People who conform to this world are following the broad road that leads where? Yes. Amen. Apostle Paul's command, do not be conformed to this world. We need to remember we are in the world, but we are not of the world. He's speaking to us, the believers. Which leads me to the church. 
if we look at the modern church today, we can see how much the culture has infiltrated what once was considered sacred. Where we come together to give thanks to God, worship Him, grow in our relationship, become disciples, and be discipling others, and to experience the Holy Spirit working in us and through us, and to hear the Word preached. But now, there are churches teaching false doctrines. Like there is more than one way to heaven. And that Jesus was just a good teacher. Or He was a prophet. That sexual immorality is acceptable. And God will love you no matter how you live or what you do. The call for repentance, another unpopular subject in the pulpit today, is considered by some to be hate speech. And there are church leaders leading their flocks far from the gospel of Jesus Christ toward the prosperity gospel or social gospel or whatever feels good and fills the church views. They're leading them to destruction. Does anyone remember when just about everyone brought their Bible? They took their Bible to church. And people actually took notes. That's a far concept, isn't it? Some of you probably remember. Yeah, there you go. Well, I know you're always taking notes. But such it's 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 so important, and it's like, and people just wanted to go to church. Imagine that. Christians wanting to go to church on a Sunday. It wasn't a chore. People actually looked forward to going to church. And they went with their families. They brought their families there. And have you noticed that the once thriving churches of old are beginning to crumble and struggling and have been closed because of lack of attendance? Because the world so many Christians have decided to, I'm just going to, I don't know, it won't hurt to keep missing Sundays. It won't hurt to go do all of these other things that the world has to offer. I mean, I want to have some fun in life. And church doesn't give me everything that I need. And that's where the problem comes in. See, have you noticed that the world seems to suck their children into doing other things? And I know you've heard this before. But they seem like when I was a kid, there wasn't any activities until maybe after lunch. Or there wasn't any activities at all. You went to church. That's where you went. But what happens is they get sucked into sports and band. And you name it. And the parents go along with it. Do not be conformed to the ways of this world. That's my paraphrase. Does it, does it sting a little bit because we've done that? Can we see how small churches were once thriving and as their children got into sports and other things because the world decided, hey, let's make Sunday a day to do all the activities. 
and pull our children away and tug on our hearts because we don't want to discipline our children. And I know we can remember that Sunday seemed like a very wonderful day of we'd go to church and we'd be with our church family and we'd do all, you know, spend all the time in that morning just enjoying being around the people we love so much and sharing our walk. And Sunday school was huge. And I know you can remember that there was a time when you went to church and it was truly for family. Like afterwards, the family got together and they had lunch and they went out and did things together. Or maybe I'm thinking of a Norman Rockwell painting. You think maybe that's what that is? Maybe I'm looking back through a magazine and seeing a Norman Rockwell picture that shows people coming from the church and they're happy and excited. And they're sitting together and having a meal. See, now we see churches trying to find ways to give the world something it wants. Church after church tries program after program it sees little commitment and growth in attendance. I applaud the churches that are trying to reach out. I applaud. And outreach is important. And I believe that, you know, the certain programs are great. But you've got to have people that are willing to work those programs and are willing to reach out to people and have an idea of what the gospel is and how to be able to present it to people. We're not dealing with the same culture we dealt with when I was growing up. Or you were growing up, possibly. See, what happens is compromise is the issue that leads to conformity to the ways of the world. And Apostle Paul addressed this in Romans 12 too. He said, do not be conformed to this world. He is saying, don't be like them. Don't adopt their ways. Don't conform to their ways. It will pull you away from your faith and it will make you weak. Don't you think we've seen some of that going on? Have we noticed that once that when we had like pews were full, people were eager to get into the church. Now it's people who are eager to get out of the church. I know. I, I've done my thing where I've come, listened to the message and had to head out because I wanted to make a McDonald's run so I could get me a tea before and a breakfast biscuit before the uh, end of the time, you know? why they cut you off, man? Whoop, you're at 1031. Sorry, buddy. And I know it doesn't reflect me at all that I eat now and then at McDonald's. So Now, I want to turn our attention, the rest of our attention, to the second part of Romans 12, 2. Verse 2. Because it doesn't just stop at do not be conformed to this world that Paul is saying. He says, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The New Living Translation says it this way. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, 
which is good and pleasing and perfect. Hmm. We need not to be conformed to the world, but transformed. At times, we may find ourselves being tuned more toward worldly things and behaviors. But if we are rooted in Christ, we need only give ourselves completely to God for our transformation. That's what it takes. Giving ourselves. Are you willing to do that? To give your life complete. If you knew that would bring you happiness, if they knew that would bring you contentment, and not need the things of the world so much. Now, I know there's certain things in the world we can't do without. Expensive gasoline, you know, um, food. We got to, you know, we got to do all these things. But we need, to, we need more of being in the presence of the Lord. We need of rooting ourselves in Christ. The time we spend a relationship with the Lord in the Scriptures through prayer, and fellowship with one another will grow us in our journey in this world. If we are asking questions like, how should I live? The answer is right in front of you. It's right here. Right here. It's the Word of God. That's how to live. This is our manual for living. And the Holy Spirit inside of us will guide you. He'll guide you to live. He'll open up these Scriptures so that it tells you, hey, I want to show you. I'm showing you what's important. You need the Bible. You need the Word of God. Okay? The people living for the world will offend us. Okay? I get offended all the time. I've actually walked up to people and said, hey, can I pray for you? And they'll go, no. Why? I don't believe in that stuff. I'm spiritual. Okay. <laughs> spiritual. Okay, I got you. So maybe I should be doing some type of uh, deliverance ministry on you? <laughs> and they'll try to find ways to persecute us. And they'll really make us feel uncomfortable. But you know what? A little uncomfort. You put out something on social media about how you stand for Christ and how you love Christ and somebody comes back with something, some sny remark and we think, oh man, I hate persecution. We don't even know what persecution is. But we are staying firm in our faith. Amen? Yes. I used to work with some friends and we were all Christians. We all kind of like came together around to be a Christian back in the... It was like, I got I recommitted my life to Christ about, I think it was 1999. Right at the end of 1999, I heard God... I, I did. People say, don't you can't say I heard God. I heard God. It was a Damascus experience. I was not a good person. I went to church all those years, and but I wasn't a good person. I was conforming to the ways of the world. And I worked with these Christians and we all really, we got excited, man. And we would talk about our walk and we'd talk about the Bible. And it was a blessing for all of us. But one thing I noticed, that if we were talking about Jesus anywhere in that building or sitting out on the patio or wherever we were at, I noticed that some of my friends who had the tendency to lower their voice. And they did this often. 
So one day I just called him on it. And I said, why do you lower your voice every time you mention Jesus in public? And he said, I didn't, I didn't realize I was doing that. I didn't change. I said, but if you are. I said, why am I the only one standing here saying, you know, and do you know what Jesus did for me today? And not worrying about what's going to happen. See, we either all in or we're all out. You can't have your foot, one foot in the world and one foot. Right? Either you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. Either you're saved or you think you're saved, but you're not saved. Right? Right? Man, I ain't heard preach it so long. I, I didn't know if I, I thought maybe I was back like 20 years ago. That's so great, man. I love it. We can't afford, we just can't afford to live our lives like this. We can't, you know, we are living in a, in, in today where it's not popular for Jesus to hear Jesus' name spoken. And we see people out and they're trying to share the gospel and people are mad, man. They're just, they just want to kill them. And I'm sure that many Christians are concerned what might happen on their job or might happen when you're around other believers, especially those in power, and hear the name of Jesus spoken and what reaction they might receive. But I want to tell you something. In the end, you're going to wish you did. That you spoke up to Jesus. That you were not ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. We should always proclaim that Jesus has done for us for what He has done for us and share it with others. We never know when someone longing for hope, that someone who's totally lost, looking for something to believe in, and we have the answer, and they can find it in Jesus. I heard a preacher say one time that uh, if you go out and you invited a, a non-believer to church, not church, excuse me, to have coffee. I don't drink coffee, but it, to have coffee, you could talk to them and maybe share your testimony with them, but let them do a lot of talking. You do a lot of listening and then begin to plant seeds. See what I'm saying? Plant seeds about why you believe. It's not that you go in rushing in and say, well, I believe because... No. So why don't you believe? And then share why you believe. See, that that touches the heart. Because they're like, oh wow, he actually wants to listen. He's not intolerant. I don't know what they've been talking about, that the churches are intolerant. He's listening. And it plants the seed. See, we should always proclaim that what Jesus has done. And we should always share it with them. And we are called to love as Christ loved us and to shine His light through us to the whole world. Light pierces the darkness. So let us be His light. Amen? We are all, we all will experience the pressure to conform to the ways and standards of this world, especially the young who are impressionable and even those of us who are older may be persuaded by unbelievers in positions of power and great influence. We have a choice to either succumb to or be led by those destroying their own minds, bodies, and souls 
or look to Jesus and allow ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. If we are to conform to anything, I pray it would be the image being more like Jesus in everything we say and do. And to be more like Him will require a true transformation of our inner man than we can demonstrate the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Yes, I'm looking at my watch. <laughs> All right. So, I want to close with this. I just want us to examine ourselves. I want us to examine ourselves. Every day, examining yourself. And I want you to do it by a mirror. I want you to do it by a mirror. You know what I'm talking about? This mirror. Amen? Because if you can live by this, and it's your mirror, and you, when you look into it, you can see things in yourself or things that need to be changed, then you're living the correct way. The only way. The only way that will get you to heaven. The only way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And He's the only way to heaven. And you'll never learn about anything to do. Don't try to ha learn about God. Have a relationship. Okay? So, I was going to do this, but for sake of time, um, I would like, uh, if we could, to turn... If I'd like for you to turn to 12, uh, chapter 12. You're probably still in Romans chapter 12 right now. But if you would go over to verse 9, and I won't, I, I won't ask you to, you know, I won't read it to you today. But I will say this. Take a time, take time to read this. And apply it to your life. I wish I had more time to do this. Because I think we need to hear it. And do it often. Do it often. Because we want to be more like Christ and not more like the world. Amen? That's the last amen. So, y'all can stop looking at y'all's watches too. Alright. I just, my prayer is that each and every one of you will will become more and more like Christ and not be swayed from the truth into this world's path. Thank you for listening to Igniting Your Faith. Let God's Word empower your life with new growth that encourages everyone you meet. Igniting Your Faith is copyrighted and published by Dr. Chris Fisher and First Church, Schuylkill Haven, Pennsylvania. Special piano music played by Cindy McClelland. You can find more information about Dr. Chris Fisher, this podcast, and the church at our website, havenfirstumc.org. We hope you will join us again next week and let God ignite your faith.